What? Welcome to the lab. So many people come to me and are like, hey, tell me how you get around iOS. And I'm like, I'm on six channels. I, I know it's going to sting a little bit, but if you took mobile away from me, I'm still going to be able to convert. And one of the reasons is because when I built the DSP, it was the beginning. It was maybe like 18 months to 24 months into real-time bidding programmatic advertising. So it was just massive supply, not a lot of demand. So how they were selling the, the inventory was they were getting a premium by providing the targeting, right? That's what programmatic did. It made less inventory more valuable, right? So they were making up for what they weren't selling by getting premiums to, for the better stuff. And so once you understand how lopsided supply and demand actually is, you yeah. start to realize, again, it goes back to what I also been saying the last couple of days. You could decide to fix that problem at iOS, and I'm, I'm sure we're going to come up with that. We're going to have a detailed conversation on how we're going to do that. Yeah. But the real opportunity is all those people that are sitting there trying to fix the flat on the side of the highway and cars are just passing them by. That's mm -hmm. the opportunity. Yeah. It's like a land race, man. Every time they change a, a, a condition, I look at what we're doing and I think own and control, baby. That's the whole purpose between own and control. Mm -hmm. If I own the targeting, then I control where, when, and what I talk about in the conversation. That's how I look at own and control. Mm -hmm. And if you're really running a business, you got to ask yourself a simple question. If somebody took the underpinnings of my business away, would I survive? And when you're multi-channel, you know what the funny thing is? I was writing something today about multi-channel. Is there a more powerful mechanism for conversion than to run to one person across multiple channels, multiple devices, be there Effectively. consistently wherever yeah. they are? There's yeah. nothing more powerful than when you hear somebody like, I get it. They're so conditioned to rely on Google and Facebook for the targeting that they never built their business past that. Mm -hmm. So I got a question for everybody who's going to hear this. It's a simple question. The future of running ads is automation. The future of running ads is, you know, AI, right? Yep. Yep. You need identity. You need third-party targeting. You need to be the source of that. You can't get to the next level if you're not using third-party data. Well, it's inevitable graduation if you're looking to be doing this three years from today, two years from today. Honestly, today, like Facebook themselves are telling right. – their partners, which we have firsthand knowledge of now to go seek out third party data because they know, first of all, it's already happened, but it's, there's no way that it can get better, like better from here right. in terms of going back the way it was. So we're already Say seeing that, that we could stop right there. That's the exact point. Thank you. You said it in less words than I did. Say that again. There, there is no fundamental way. If you're a reasonable person, that things are going to get better, as in move back toward the way that they have been. Everything is it's moving forward, certainly. And it's the only thing that's going to change from this point on is change. And it's going to yeah. be constant. It's mm -hmm. not going to stop. Yeah. So the way that I look at, at, at what we're doing, and I love how we just jumped into here. This is how it's going to go, guys. Yeah. Is we've built... And I think it's a combination of your brain and mine, everybody else is on the machine. We've built an engine that is, it's literally just an engine of change. Like it's supposed to be in constant change and flux. It's, it's just like an innovation pool. So when you have an organization or an infrastructure or even a business model that if one tiny thing breaks, like where you get your leads from or how you actually monetize your users, 
and you're screwed. That's like those types of businesses are already, and you've had these conversations. I would love to actually dive deep in a couple of specific conversations with large scale B2B companies right now. You have to build an organism that is fluid, right? Because tomorrow something else could change. Luckily we got, I don't know how, how much notice from the iOS 14 updates months and months and everybody was still on edge. But the reality is like that can change every day. And there's microcosms of that that happen all the time. I see people who actually some of my colleagues who are on Instagram all the time, they run their businesses on there. So every other day, there's an issue with, oh, this isn't working anymore, or that's not working anymore. Because they're beholden to the platform in and of itself, rather than understanding what the underlying mechanisms are behind human psychology, behavior, and how people interact on the internet as a whole. I think we have to stop thinking about things in terms of like channels and platforms, and start thinking about how human beings exist in this internet world, because it's only going to get further into that. Right. Like you've seen the movies, <laughs> the virtual reality. When, when you look at an identity graph, right? So you're targeting the person. So now you have all of their different emails mm -hmm. Then you start getting into devices. Look at IP six. Mm -hmm. Everybody has 2000 IPs allocated. That's how many devices you're going to be collecting data on. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I didn't they, know that. They're, yeah, they're absolutely. Everybody's got 2000 estimated 2000 IPs. Why? <laughs> because your car, everything you do is going to have the ability to throw off tremendous amounts of information. Right. So when you hear smart, when you hear connected, think IOT, the internet of things is nothing yep. more than what? Sensors and networks. Mm -hmm. Everything's getting built with sensors. Everything is going to be connected to a network. Once you have sensors and networks connecting, collecting all that data, now you have machine learning. If you know the person, mm -hmm. I just need to know your ID on that device to know mm -hmm. you. Right. So I know when you're on your cell phone, et cetera, same thing. You're going to have yeah. a match table, a, 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 an identity graph for every person. So every person's a row. Every column is another identifier, whether it's a maid, whether it's another device ID, et cetera, all the way down the line. So Digital footprint. I, I, listen, I'm 54 years old. I have a desktop. I have a laptop. I have a cell phone. I have an iPad. And mm -hmm. you know what? I, I kind of, I, I probably don't use my iPad very much anymore on the internet. So I just like yeah. to read on my iPad. So I wouldn't target but, you there, is what you're saying. Wouldn't target me there, but, <laughs> but I have five emails. And so when you look at it from that perspective, what the industry has been doing is building this infrastructure behind the scenes while the wall gardens just get taller and taller. And I don't like, it, to me, the opportunity is so vast, like while people are running for the hills, Mm. They're abandoning converting campaigns. There's huge opportunity. Right. Like people aren't going to be able to have the common sense to say, you know what, I can do this at another place or I can go multi-channel. I can get out of this. They're going to sit and they're going to figure out that they can. It's going to take them too long. Mm. You're always going to be able to target mobile. So let's right. start there. Right? Yeah. You're just not going to be able to track like you do now. The yeah. only way you're going to be able to do it is what we're doing on our graph is we're bringing in such massive volume of it's think about it from four tracks i have all the third party cookies which are going away yeah. i have all the first party we have over a dozen the live ramps the trade desk staff next is all the big ones yeah and then we have all of our digital fingerprinting right all of our passive and active fingerprinting that we're doing in our ips and we're bringing in like longitude and latitude on every single solitary maid so that we can know and we could assign you your range of IPs. Right. Right. Which and then again, even that is going to be challenging 
-hmm. it's never going to get from a mobile standpoint because they can control that device. Yeah. What I'm going to say to people is, is if you really think you're not going to be able to advertise to that person, you're out of your mind. Yeah. And isn't we're that really all you're really looking for is advertising to that person? If we can fly to Mars, we're, I'm pretty sure we can run ads to people right. on mobile. Yeah. Right. Hey, yeah. Let me ask you a question, Josh. Simple question. Can you run ads without retargeting? Are you smart enough to figure out a process for running ads to somebody if you didn't have the ability to know who clicked? Short answer is yes. Because we did it before it existed, so we can do it. Principles. There adjustments. That's not yeah. what we want. Yeah. But again, there's just as many people on the outside trying to solve this problem. And the really cool part of it is that the acceleration of, like, we're in the data co-op is a good example. Yeah. Like, people are trying to solve this collectively. Yeah, you were just in Austin a couple of weeks, uh, weekends right. ago, right? Yeah, like, what was, let's talk about that for a second. So what, what was the general feeling, consensus, like, what was going on there? <laughs> and briefly so, explain what the co-op yeah. sort of is. So what it is, just a, a consortium of companies who actually use the data, the name, the email, the phone numbers, the, the LinkedIn URLs, the Facebook IDs, all of the specific stuff for that particular individual person. Mm -hmm. And it all comes in to a collective spot. There's someone who manages the co-op who decides what comes in, but everything is validated. Okay. So there's a, a quality uh, score for every piece of data. And so what it starts to become is now more and more people are bringing in, think about Tom Lee Antonio, I'm married, I got kids. People are bringing in more data that appends to that person. So we've got every US adult, and now we're bringing in the basics, the names, the emails, the phone numbers, the maids, all of your social IDs. And now we're bringing in all the consumer stuff, all your past purchase, all your navigation behavior. It's just extensive. Mm -hmm. And so what you're able to do now because of the co-op, it's like owning a fractional uh, ownership of an airplane, except I don't have to pay for it. I, I, I don't have to, I get to pay for it and use it anytime I want. I'm not restricted on time. We data do. has multiple uses. If I use it, you use it. It's not like it's costing us anything. So yeah. it's not really abused. And yeah. it's and it's invitation only. So everybody who's anybody in managed service, there's ESPs, there's call centers. There are people at big companies that, that run managed service campaigns for companies, big companies. They're all contributing that data. And the more exotic stuff that comes in, it's absolutely incredible. It's Some know. crazy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's amazing what people are, are contributing. So when it opens up to answer the question, it was like, yeah. I got to meet some of the people and some of the data that was in there. And some of the ideas were just like, oh, my God, now I can do this. I wasn't even thinking about that. Having access to stuff. So it's basically what you put in. If I put in a piece, one piece, I get back one piece. So if I put right. in $20 billion, I get back $20 billion. And everybody puts in pretty sizable amounts of data. Right. And it comes yeah. in real time, many sources. It's a like a, a compilation. People compile data. Yeah. So without having to pay for it, you get it free. Because honestly, like to, to me, because when we first started talking and built a relationship now, obviously in a partnership, I, I viewed it as, and back then I didn't even have a, a full understanding of it, but I was like, somebody has to do something to stand up to the Googles, the Facebooks, the this, the that, and whatever. And from everything that I've seen and everybody that I've talked to, like, this is it, right? Now, the difference with what we're doing, which is why you explain us to be the, uh, the hawker of the party, is we're taking that and then weaponizing it. So what do you do with the data? And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening or watching this right now, the data sounds probably scary or, or interesting or overwhelming. Data is really only worth 
um, its weight in what you can do with it. So I spent most of my time figuring out how to model all these different disparate data points and make them synergistic. And sometimes it's like Legos, like with what we're doing right now. It, it's a fun little bit of a game because like, quite honestly, there's stuff that's now available and possible that it, it just wasn't before which is one of the most difficult things for me to launch all these marketing <laughs> campaigns for intent. It's like, how do I go about explaining something to the market that doesn't actually exist yet? Everybody Let's, wants to be on the cutting edge until they get introduced to it. And it's, yeah. you're gonna have it, you're gonna have an advantage because you're able to do things that don't exist. Yeah. So let's, cause we haven't actually spoken about this publicly. I mean, I have a bunch of audios of you and stuff like that, but five minute version. So, how did you get to this point today where we're having this, this conversation, like your journey? Because I'm sure people want to know who this, this crazy, you know, Tommy Lantonio guy is from Queens. It was really simple. When we built out the DSP and I got into programmatic advertising, right? So you mm -hmm. run inventory, you use a match table. It's how you're able to track the person as he goes along, their pixels there and it fires and you can run the ads, right? So you use a match table. It's a one-to-one. -one. Once we started getting into bot fraud about three, maybe four years in, we wanted to figure out if we could resolve identity. And it was a company that I came across that was doing it. And they were basically, and it's not complicated when you think about it. So long as you were dropping the cookie on the post side of a transaction, right? You take the email, you convert it to a hash. Yep. And when you put code inside a code, it's called salted, right? right? So T-O-M-Y is the code. And let's say ABC is what I want to, the email. It's T-O. A, B, C, M, M, Y. I'm a simpleton. That's how it was explained to me. Right. And so yep. when my pixel fired out, my cookie had already been on their browser. It mm -hmm. would just look it up in the match table and we had the hash. We had the email for that person. So all we started doing was synchronizing, syncing with as many behavior sources as possible. Right. Here's the thing about all this technology. Put all the bullshit aside. If you think about it in its basic fundamental form, does the sale start online? And if so, then there's behavior, right? Buyer's journey, call, whatever you want. There yep. are signs that let you know. And all we're doing is using our common sense to acquire all of that behavior that we think would be in market for the product and service we sell. And we're resolving the identity. By resolving the identity, I now have attribution to a multi-channel. We started an automotive and the car sales would end up on a dealership line. So I had to get paid on a performance basis to make sure. So I had to have... The identity. And that was yeah. the beginning of it. And it's been a it's been a, a hell of a journey, man. But look, at the end of the day, I think of behavior like peering into the mind of a prospect while they're making a purchase decision. If I could just know what's going on in your head, what you're thinking is, I'm a marketer, I'm a salesman, I can close that sale. That's not that complicated. So I look at behavior and I say to myself, if I can look at enough behavior, so the simple way to look at it is if you buy a car on June 1st, that let's say the 120 days that lead up to that sale, right? The chronological order. I may not have all the behavior, but that's the training sample. That's what you feed into an algorithm. Everybody's training sample. Now we start comparing. Now you get to weigh behavior. It's a basic regression algorithm. We're just looking for pattern. Pattern recognition. He bought, yeah. he bought and they had these seven behaviors in common. Yeah. And you just start to weigh the behavior. And what an algorithm does with the closed loop analysis is you can determine which behavior is more valuable than others, which one's gaining in, in strength. And it's the common sense way to do AI. So it's, for me, it was like, once I realized that this was how it's going to be, was I willing to continue to work at it until it actually came to fruition. And right. it took us a couple of years, but yeah. yeah.
we were able to do it. And then from there, I've been in search for guys like you for a long time because targeting is so rare. Like when I first started doing it, the reason why I wanted to create my own targeting was if I didn't know where it originated from and I didn't have the ability to improve upon it, it was just like maybe it worked and maybe it didn't. Right. So in the early days, uh, it was a company called Blue Kai. They were like the third party. They had the best taxonomy. Yeah. Sorry? When was this? Oh, this is 10, 11 years ago. Right. Okay. They're not even in existence. Yeah. Adobe bought them probably eight, nine years ago. Right. Yeah, but like yeah. Adobe come in and buy this company and I'm like, oh, now when you look at Adobe, they're heavily into Target. Again, they were building graphs. And right. then I, I do a couple of connecting dots. I, I just knew identity. That's how Google was doing it. That's how mm -hmm. Facebook was doing it. That's how I, uh, Amazon, yeah. they were using identity resolution. I needed a graph and I just became right. obsessed. Yeah. I had yeah. to have a graph. Yeah. That's, that's a funny thing that, so we've been talking to a lot of people lately as well. And there's this funny sentiment, especially within like, all right, so let me put it this way. Everybody who is on the ground, performance marketers, dudes who are running agencies and like the guys, guys who know what they're doing, like they, they don't eat unless they perform. Right. They know exactly what is currently happening. And even if they don't fully grasp what say intent does our, our company and the tech behind it. They understand the implications of, of what we're talking about to, to like such an effect that they're like, where do I sign? How do I get on board? Yeah, it's, yep, okay, sweet. Because they're so close to the fringe, I call it the front lines of growth, where everything happens, that it's almost like it's common knowledge for the little guy who is constantly in, in, in the trenches that the Facebook <laughs> and the Amazons, the Bezos and all these people, they, they all run on this same kind of almost secret society model. And I mean that in a very positive way because they, I think it's great. It just means that there's more room for competition for us. But then when you go to the Fortune 500, 100s and just billion dollar companies and been around for a while, there's this sense of just like obliviousness to what's going on. Do you, and like, because I've talked to a few of them now and you pretty much rub shoulders with these guys every day. Like, why do you think that is? And do, do you share that opinion? No, hundred percent, hundred percent. Totally. And you know what it is? Not only do they not understand it, they've been trying to figure it out. And part of it is, and this is just my own personal opinion. Mm. I think they're struggling with the day to day. It's like they work in their business and to build out what I built, you right. couldn't do that while being involved in the day to day operations of a company. Yeah. And even now with us, like I'm running growth. You're on the tech because that's what it takes. It's like singular, right. which is and why this it, works so well. It's funny, like us partnering is a perfect example of how the center, I use these jargon words, but I cannot do this much of the road and yeah. be great at it, mm. but I can this much of the road and master it. Right. And so all I do, my whole mindset is how do we develop out the graph so that we can do more custom targeting? So right. we could have an attribution across every channel, mm. every device, right. right? That's the goal. We want to get to segment of one. We want to be able to target everybody as if we're talking to them using online automation and AI. Exactly. That's where we're going. And that's where everything is going. But the other layer of that is it's not just like automation of data though. It's the actual personalization. Cause it's, I see a lot of like bastardization of the personalization type of thing where it's like, oh, we're just going to like, 
dynamically fill this person's name in this email form. Like that shit's been around for 12 years. Yeah, it's, you know, what is the culmination of this person's behaviors, their psychographics, their personality, right? Like how they actually speak online, the verbiage and the tonality that they have in comment <laughs> on content and stuff like that. And what amazes me is that we have the engine, or I guess like the machine, if you want to call it that, to process all of those things. And where I spend most of my time is why I don't really sleep very much right now is figuring out how to model that and deploy it into an actual experience. I call it engineering experience. So CX, customer experience. I think that's honestly where everything has to go. And especially when with this whole COVID, the world pandemic, everything like that, where is everybody? Everybody is online, but everybody wants to be seen. And you talk about frame control a lot. So do I. We have a lot of similarities, but the game to me is, and I want let me ask you this question. All right. What do you think is the single or whatever, two to three traits of uh, high growth companies over the next five to 10 years that are going to produce, say the top 1% and everybody else in second being just a very distant second? Because we just talked about that on one of our last calls. It's like a zero sum. I totally, I totally subscribe to that theory. There's yeah. gonna be one big winner and second place is going to be minuscule. Right. That is a zero sum technology. Mm -hmm. So to me, the first thing I'm going to tell you is the company that realizes that data represents a human being. Mm -hmm. Right. You talk about customer experience. And I, if you listen to just the first 10 minutes of us talking tech, it still has to be based in time tested, proven methodologies for building a relationship. You don't drive traffic, you attract. Yeah. I was telling you this, one of the hottest technologies right now is this empathy technology. Yeah. Right. They're, they're taking natural language to a level like it just blows me away. I'm excited to test it. Yeah. And so when you start to understand there's a human being there, then you realize that Every experience must be as good as it can be because the real future of your business is that relationship. You're mm -hmm. going to monetize that relationship over time. You look at Apple, you look at Amazon, you look at Google, Facebook, they're winning on a lot of levels, but the one thing that they're winning on that's allowing them to do everything else is they grow lifetime client value. Exactly. Most people don't leave yeah. and they monetize that relationship forever. Mm -hmm. And so the companies that understand, you know, from a self-serving standpoint, they have to embrace technology like ours. They have to have that kind of stuff. I, I, I absolutely believe that. Otherwise, I wouldn't be doing this 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But I also think that the opportunity to serve that experience you're talking about, the data will transition from just, hey, this guy's in market for, yeah. to this is the great level he reads at. These are the shapes that he likes. These are the colors. You're going to custom a world where that person is going to feel comfortable, safe. When you think about the world getting faster, mm -hmm. what's the feeling you get when things are out of control? Anxiety, right? Yeah. So yeah. you get comfortable being around things that are familiar. Mm -hmm. Relationships with companies can be leveraging that relationship because they're going to give you the common, hey, look at Amazon. I know that if I have a bad experience, I'm going to be able to charge it back. Yeah. I bought enough from them to know it's going to show up when they say. Yeah. It's going to come in the shape that I want or I'm going to get my money back. Yeah. So they've removed as much friction as they can and experience that I'm going to continue to pay for. And I, even yeah. if you can give me a cheaper price somewhere else, I know I can get it from Amazon. So I'm going to go ahead and just order. Yeah, because you trust it. There's no unknowns. They've built that brand equity. That leverages the relationship. Right. The company that understands where that's where the money is. Mm -hmm. 
in yeah. the relation. It's in the back end. This, yeah. Another interesting point too is. And, and by the way, I just want to have one last piece. It's not just from the relationship with the client. It's the relationship every company has with their vendors, with mm. their team, with yeah. you know what I mean, with real strategic partners. It's like where people are coming to us for a great example. They're coming to us and they're going to build on our data. How yeah. are we any different than Google and Facebook? We have to be transparent. Yeah. We have to be, it has to have an open society feel to it so people can feel comfortable that their contribution is going to be met. They're going to get back more than what they're putting in. And that, that goes back to the like brand. I, I think everything is going toward, so big companies. So if you're a you know, startup owner, you want to scale. I think community in and of itself is going to be everything. Not everything, but part of everything. And what we're doing inside of Intent with the headquarters, currently called that, <laughs> is, and Tommy, I want you to riff on this a little bit as well, but I'll cover the, the broad scope okay. is, what we have, we have what I have lovingly called a playground, right? Of course, we, we're working on performance deals with larger scale companies and stuff like that, but the intent on the inside, right? This is for the dudes and the girls on the front lines of growth. The people who I just spoke about five, seven minutes ago who are at that fringe, they're getting the shit kicked out of them. They're, they're, they're on the front lines, but it's people who are pushing the limits and, and getting results in the face of all this stuff. And we have this tech that, that obviously we're developing. You're the data guy. I'm trying to figure out how to weaponize that and deploy it into campaigns to actually thwart all iOS 14. And we can talk about that as well. But the real magic of it is we don't possess the ego and or uh, we're not foolish enough, I think, to think that we can develop the type of tech possible without opening it up to the community. So it's open the doors, playground, here's everything that we have. We want people to come on the inside and play, right? Experiment. We give you the playbooks, we give you the tools, we give you the systems, we make it you know, as easy as possible. You can be profitable in the first couple of days, to be honest. We've done that a few times now. But the point is that a, a inner circle community generated product that turns into an actual like movement. And I think honestly, I'm speaking you know way up here right now, but I think this can essentially form what growth ultimately becomes, right? Because stuff is it's different already with our Facebook campaigns and some of our partners that we're working with right now. Different now, like you, you have to completely alter and shift the last 10 years of whatever it is that you were doing. And to us, that's a super exciting thing. <laughs> it's the best thing that ever happened to us. And, and I'm going to put my light on, so give me one second. But yeah. to, to, to answer your question, it goes back to the relationship. In my mind, every single time I think about why somebody should be in here, obviously it's got a lot of tools and it's got a lot of playbooks and we've got some yeah. support and training. But think of it like this. If you subscribe to the theory that every test is about a learning, Imagine if we had a live lab, right? So for me, if you study anything in technology, today's technology is what builds tomorrow's technology, right? Every computer we built, the previous version built it, right? Yeah. So if you look at it, everything we're doing collectively is going to dictate what we're going to do next. Like, I'm going to strip the DSP down to the studs and we're going to rebuild. The community is going to direct our data acquisition. Right. Like I want to understand it from a usage standpoint and support that model. Mm -hmm. Why? Because every piece of technology that I want to build off it requires people on the front end sharing their results with our technology. Mm -hmm. It's a closed loop, man. Yeah. That's what AI is, man. At, at its simplest right. form, 
it's that closed loop. If you can learn and continue to learn, all artificial intelligence is a prediction. That's mm -hmm. all it is. I predict this person's gonna do this. If it clicks, great. Then we, we feed back the information to the algorithm. We make new predictions off of that. Yeah. It's just, it's iterative out of, on steroids. Yeah. Now imagine I mean, if we had every single person in the community participating in that model. Mm -hmm. I can say selfishly, I'm gonna be able to leverage all that intelligence. Yep. I'm gonna leverage all that insight. So what I'm gonna to contribute to get that in return is I'm gonna over deliver as much as humanly possible so people feel comfortable. I love you know the concept of the playground. I don't know what I don't know. But somebody could come in here. See, there was a quote, I told you this a long time ago. If you wanna teach a new way of thinking, don't bother trying to teach. Instead, give them a tool, the use of which will teach that thing you want them to understand. Yeah, That's yeah. Buckminster Fuller. Mm -hmm. Google did it with their keyword tool. Yeah. They had everybody to just absolutely adopt AdWords by letting them play around with keyword search. It was brilliant. They're not dumb over there. Great. So I, I look at what we're doing and I'm saying to everybody, look, we have tremendous success. We're going to share. We're going to be transparent. We're going to show you our playbooks and all the campaigns we're running. I have no fear. I want everybody to, if you want to learn from us and, and, yeah. and benefit from that, please come in. Mm -hmm. And then the people who will understand that a relationship with us, again, that word relationship, bonding with us has an economic meaning. Being part of our world, part of our relationship, in a relationship with us has value to them. And mm -hmm. to me, it's, I know this sounds simplistic, but if, if I had to come up with every answer to every question, we'd fail. But imagine if we had 20,000 people and we're collectively sourcing answers from the smartest people in the group. They have different perspectives. Again, I don't know what I don't know. Yep. And that's a big, that's a big number. It's typically, if you had a circle, it would be 90% of the circle is what I don't know, I don't know. So if I pose questions to 20,000 performance people, yep. 20,000 people who are using our data, using our playbooks, and, and we grow this network, if you will, we grow this, again, any, Perry Marshall said it. Anybody who's not pursuing a network effect is making a mistake. It's math, to be honest. Right. So if I could bring 20,000 people to a problem, what's the likelihood that somebody in the room is going to be able to say, hey, did you look at it from this perspective? Correct. But in this case, usually it's, you know, the one person receiving the answer and then benefiting from it. But in this case, it's refractory. Right. right. So the faster right. so we learn, the faster we get the answers, the faster the tech and the weapons develop. And the more of a monopoly, the people who are in the inside of intent will have in right. the marketplace. It's already happening. I could, personally, I can go into pretty much any e-com space right now and map the entire market and know exactly where to spend my money, who's there, who to poach clients from. And like this, I'm just talking growth right now, like it's ruthless. And you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna back up for a second and say that before even launching a business, right? Is this whole, Product market fit, product market fit, awesome. A lot of people try to, to build a product, build a concept, and then go bring it to market in a trial phase to establish <laughs> product market fit, market product fit, market message fit, all of that stuff. Now imagine just a scenario where you actually just let the market and the availability and access that you have to the data tell you exactly what product to either build and or sell in what fashion and what channel and like in what medium and what model first before you even step forward because that's that what Amazon's right doing? is that what Amazon's doing that's what Amazon does that's what right. anybody who has access to infinite levels of data does but 
the funny thing is, and little me, that's what I'm doing right now. Some of these deals that we're running. And so from, from the beginning of that, the immensity of the competitive advantage that somebody has when even just the likelihood of the business succeeding when it begins is so minuscule, right? It's not even funny. We all know the statistics. That now becomes null and void as long as the right person and the right team is behind it. But then number two, growing that business when it comes to performance, marketing, and branding, and you know, content, and ads, and all that stuff, being able to not have to spend a single dime to figure out who your audience is and who's going to convert and when, instead of having to spend a million, two million, three million to validate a market and actually get traction, that wave break, now you have another competitive advantage, right? Now you have one to three million bucks in the bank. So now when we go to spend money, you're already ahead of the game, but the identity resolution part, and we, we skimmed over this, and that's fine. We're going to go through, I think we're going to do a few sessions on the concepts behind this because there's a lot of depth to it, and I've had a few comments like, what differentiates you from Clearbit and this and that? A lot. There's just so many layers of competitive advantage, not just against a rival, but against competitive buyers, suppliers, technological advancements, the market shifts itself, that it's not even funny. And in my mind, like a lot of people should be scared right now because, and look, like this applies to people who are intending to be one of the best in the industry. They're trying to disrupt industries, trying to build large brands where there's multiple competitors, your mom and pop shop, this and that. This is still important, but it's less so extreme, like you're going to be screwed over. We're talking about the space that we live in here. But from where you sit in right now, Tommy, what's your view of the, I'm going to call them, the previous generation of, of businesses or what have you. So like the uh, current businesses that let's are- use, right Let's use the use case for ourselves. Yeah. We get into the lead business, right? We're selling leads to an insurance company, right? We're getting paid on a conversion basis, but we didn't sell them the leads. Our contract is clear. They can only offer them that one product. We drove them to a branded site. We own and control the relationship on that lead. So if you're competing against me for health insurance, as an example, you could only make how much on a sale. You and I are going to take that relationship on that form filler, that incoming call, and we're going to monetize that and reactivate that lead 15 times over, 20 times over, mm -hmm. every which way we can in every other vertical that that person's in market. So right away, having the ability to monetize the lifetime client value against every other lead company, they can't do that. Yeah. Um, so let me ask you, I'll, I'll give you a simple example. Let's just say... Josh and I are developing leads at $10 and every five leads is a sale and we're selling it for $200, right? Mm -hmm. So 50 acquisition, 150 profit. Yeah. So we could spend up to 150, but we wouldn't make any money. But if Josh and I are monetizing that form fill and making that money elsewhere, mm -hmm. we could spend the full 150 to acquire that first relationship mm -hmm. and monetize it over time. Tell well, me how you compete against me in the marketplace if I'm able to spend three to four times your CAC. Exactly. And this is, but this is where it also goes to is the more that you can spend and like the magnitude at which you right. can outspend a competitor to acquire a customer. Right. If I'd spend 300 bucks, 600 bucks, if we know our LTV, as soon as you back that out, right. you know what your backup and, period and is? So, you know, we're going to do that, yeah. right? So again, you said the word competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, we can march into any vertical today, the most competitive vertical and have a competitive advantage not only because we have the targeting, we can go all the channels, we could beat their CAC easy. We already do that. Yep. But then also build out the back end relationship with that prospect in our own company name and monetize that out 15 times over. Again, 
we're able to we're able to get into any business. And if you're a performance guy, you're asking yourself that question, like, how do you beat me? If I can outspend you, how do you beat me? Yep. Can't. Yep. And, and again, here's what I'll tell you about supply and demand. You start walking into these companies and tell them how much money you have on an acquisition basis, you'd be surprised how many contracts you're going to get with guarantees <laughs> because they have supply. Yep. And if you can have it uncapped, like all the deals we do are uncapped, yeah. or at least we try to make sure they're as uncapped as humanly possible, Yeah. that's the beauty of it. It throws off so much growth. Look at what we're going to do next. Again, we can get into any business, any product, any service, because we have a better business model. The basic yeah. fundamentals have changed. That's the reason why. Yeah. I just whipped up a, insurance, a medical insurance company in the last seven days because <laughs> there's an opportunity there. Right. And, and you know, know what? what? It's going to dominate the space. The reason why I love the whole idea of intent is the way we're going to share this information. Mm -hmm. So Josh and I are like, my, my commitment is to be as transparent as humanly possible and to give everybody, I, I look at it like a, uh, like a reality TV series. Like right. it's not just going to be, here's this case study. It's going to be week to week to week. And yeah. you're going to see us progress in our growth. Yeah, and we can bring on some of our other team members, you know, like Sam, stuff like that. Dudes who are running the performance and everything. Yeah, we have a we have an anti-content rule over here where we're not producing content for the sake of producing content. Because to to be completely honest, I've produced enough content in my lifetime to kill a horse, and I find it all utterly boring unless it has extreme utility. So, <laughs> but anything goes. And. Like for me, and I think what we're going to do is obviously this will be posted everywhere and stuff like that. Inside Intent, you already said at Live Labs, I think one of the most important and one of the most valuable things and the unique, one of the most unique factors that we're going to bring to the table is access to the people who are actually running it and developing this platform. So Live Labs, weekly, bi-weekly, whatever, talk to Tommy, talk to myself, <laughs> talk to guys who are actually engineering this stuff. I want to know what you're actually doing with the data. Let's go through, share your screen. Let's go through your campaign. Let's audit it live together. You see this in masterminds and courses and stuff like that. And it's like an afterthought, right? I don't make money off of getting off of those calls. What we get is the collective unity of the community and the accelerated growth and the success of everybody using it. We're probably one of the first companies out there right now that's selling something that actually We've so very badly want everybody to make so much money, it's not even funny because that benefits us so much right. <laughs> in terms of utilizing the product. And because it's not really a product, it's a malleable system. I, I always use the term like data Legos or like weaponized right. Legos where you can you know, mix and match and, and what have you. But Tommy, what are, what are some of the, and I have a list of about 64 topics and I'm sure like the, the next few, I'd love to do some structure breakdowns and stuff like that. But I also love riffing on this, but in terms of what's happening right now in the space, what are, what's some things that you want to discuss over the next week, two weeks? And we're probably going to do this daily for the next little yeah. bit. First off, I'm doing business from a data standpoint with companies that I never thought we'd be doing strategics with. The boundaries and the barriers, right? So everything's now up for grabs, right? right? Everything. Nothing right. like there's no sacred cows inside these companies anymore because they understand they're on the clock. Look. Google, Facebook, and Apple have made three major changes in the last 60, 90 days that are, like you said before, we're not going back. Yep. And nope. this is just the beginning. They're going to slowly boil the frog. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Now, do you think so, it's random? It's, it's not a random act. Oh, of, oh this is a nice thing we can do. Yeah. yeah. 
It's all it's a preconceived, fairly highly calculated narrative. Yeah. And guys like you on the inside, like it's obvious where it's going. You know what? The, the cool part about it is, is that they're starting to first off the concept of partnering is like where before I got to run this by people. Now it's listen, we're doing we'll send you the paperwork. People are figuring it out. Yep. And so we're getting access to things without having to spend as much cash. Yeah. And and uh, so the amount of stuff that we're going to be part of what my job for the, for the intent platform is to keep bringing in all these, you know, diverse data sources, bring in some more AI partners, some really high end exotics, if you will, mm-hmm. for people to take a look at. There's some new stuff out there. I we've talked about the reveal wise and the Magi's and the, there's some stuff like I sat there on the Magi one. I was like, holy shit, I want that. Oh, you I know, sat down for an hour afterwards and I just, I literally just sat there. I had to think. I was thinking of you when I was there too, because I kept saying, man, Josh is going to eat this shit up. He's going to love oh, it. Man, it, I have, I cannot tell you how many like Evernote docs and fucking like 12 of these journals I have now just full of data since we fucking met. I don't sleep because of you. It's funny, man. <laughs> so I'm doing the, I'm doing all these calls to meet yeah. these guys and what they're struggling with is how to monetize this incredible technology. Because you'd be surprised how good they are at one piece and they stink at marketing their own stuff. Yeah. And so what they really need are the performance work. Mm-hmm. That's their market. That's the benefit of intent is that we're marching all these companies in. We don't originate all our own data. We do a lot, mm-hmm. but there's a hell of a lot more out there that, like you said, it's just quicker and faster. Yeah. So the barriers are coming down to deals and the boundaries of what's possible now are just we're bringing in such exotic data we were talking about this uh, the one the pharmaceutical database mm. it has, a, has a database of every single solitary prescription written and the doctor who wrote it yeah now we took it and we married that we found we were doing it for roundup for a law firm so they took the data of we looked at the pharmaceutical data we found everybody that had that medication for that particular illness and then we cross-referenced it with the real estate database to find out who lived on or near a right. farm. Yeah. And we built out, of, uh, and that was the starting database of seven, about 750,000 people that right. we started from the ad campaign. And then from there, it just took off. From every you know, prescription had, that, you know, the North American is. 20 times inside that 750. Right. Say again? I'm just, I'm putting it in perspective here, right? Like I, I challenge anybody who's listening to this to, to remember a time where they orchestrated the targeting for an ad campaign or any marketing campaign by analyzing all of the historical prescriptions to, to that were given to American citizens by each doctor and then cross-referencing that with real estate data from each individual person, you know, property deeds, this, that, and everything. This is the type of thing, it's a perfect example of nobody thinks about it or those who do think about it are people like you never hear about it. Like we, you don't hear about them, but because now I'm exposed to you, I honestly feel like a child in a candy shop because <laughs> I like performance. So that's data plus data equals insight. It's simple. In yeah. my mind, it's like reverse engineering. What am I looking for? I'm looking for people who have this illness, who have been exposed to Roundup. I asked them when I did the uh, when I did the discovery call with the law firm. I said, "Tell me what what commonality do they have either from a demographic, geographic, psychographic? Don't give me the behavior. Just yeah. give me the." And they were like, "You know what? People are on farms because right. large amounts of Roundup was used on farms." Right. So we just looked for the classifications. We just cross reference everybody's property, and we went back in time. 
Yeah, and look, that might be a logical thought to a lot of people, but having access to that kind of data, it's a different story, or even financials and this and that and what have you. But I'm still of the opinion that, honestly, the reason why some of these companies that we talk to have like unfathomable levels of data and insight and modeling capabilities cannot sell it because there's still that gap. But honestly, I'm, I'm not actually mad about it either. Like, I, I get it. If somebody is so consumed with developing technological advancements that are that superior and or newer and or innovative, unless you have a massive budget and a huge team, like you're not spending any time marketing that. You're building the best thing that you possibly can. Once you get it, well, I just think when people get in here and they start to experience it firsthand, mm. <laughs> if you're really into growth, yeah. And you start to look at the all the different possibilities in which you can operate now that were closed off to you before. Mm. Like your mind's going to expand in different areas. You're going to start thinking like we think. I literally don't get excited about a deal. Like I have to I want to look at like 30 to 50 deals and just cherry pick the winner. Yeah. Because I look at it like I'll give you a great example. I have a the investors in a company they do remote control cars, right? So there's 900 Facebook groups, hyperactive, okay? Mm -hmm. And when I got into the keyword sets, all massive long tail with volume, like right. details, like just like automotive, serial numbers, makes models, all this crazy stuff. Yeah. And I knew instantly, I'm like, oh my God, look at all this. This is amazing. You to analyze the market. In remote controlled cars is simple with a market that big. That goes back and to my I, point. It, like you map the market and you're like, there's a massive opportunity here. Right. And then you made a decision instead so of making well, that, one got hand, that got hand delivered to me. But now when you know what's possible, so I'll give you an example, man. It's this concept of knowing what you're looking for. Yeah. Right. If you know what you're looking for, it wouldn't matter how many people are in the room. Like the right. concept of finding somebody with a red shirt. If I don't know I'm looking for someone with a red shirt, I'm going to be lost if there are five people. But if I know yeah. I'm looking for people with a red shirt, you could put a million people in the room. And I'm going to be able to pick out everybody. So when you know what you're looking for, and that's what AI is. Yeah. That's the whole point of signals, to find the signals to run the ads. And once you get that signal dialed in, it's boom. Yeah. And this is, so this is one of the things that I just had a conversation earlier today with. They're an agency, they're a pretty big agency. Like they run ads for Tony Robbins and, and, and stuff like that. And just explaining to them the concept of historical data, like first party historical data. So your historical customer <laughs> lead data as being a basis for how to model the beginnings of where you should start. Like all data leaves a trail and all data can have patterns within it. Right. And so like with what's happening right now with, with, with Facebook, cause they, they're predominantly on YouTube. They do some Facebook and stuff like that, but they were just getting killed, like destroyed the last month. But uh, Facebook is working now. And those in the know will know that this is very obvious, but the more data that you can give and feed Facebook initially, it's fantastic, right? Now, this is the issue of the attribution window and all that stuff. We'll get to that in a second. Long story short, that doesn't matter anymore because we make the attribution window utterly limitless because you own and control your data. We're able to resolve on the other side. We don't yeah. need their help. Exactly. As soon as somebody lands on your landing page, your site, or what have you from an ad, you now own that <coughs> You can resolve that identity and you own that piece of data forever yourself. And you can take it and go use it wherever you want. But this goes back to both LTV and understanding like how to innovate and how to target. 
just modeling and using simple regression analysis to look at your historical customer database, right? Isolating your highest value, highest LTV, basically most likely to buy, again, local customers, and using that as a basis for, this is who I should actually go look for. With our platform, you don't actually have to take that data immediately and then just go to Facebook or go to Google. We can use that as a basis of saying, so now that we know who these people are, now let's go out and look at the rest of the market and see who else we can find matches these patterns, right? Now we have a huge pool of people, but we're getting to the point now where we're gonna be able to break down, first of all, we have a behavioral lead score, which tells us the level of you know, behavioral intent that somebody has at the conversion point or at the, at the very beginning, which I find way more valuable. Finding somebody at the very beginning of their buyer's journey. Everybody you know, wants deep in the funnel and I'm like, yeah, I, give me early. Yeah, cool. if you got solid creative and a like highly superior product, you can probably check out poach. That's what I call that. <laughs> Somebody's gonna check out, yeah, buy this instead. But like in reality, what you want is you want to be able to establish dominance in a market by establishing frame control, catching people at the very beginning of the buyer's journey and controlling how they perceive the actual problem itself. And if you can control that, you control that narrative, you control the education, the conversation, guess who they're gonna to go to when they're actually ready to buy something? The person who educated them actually produced you know, value. So it's not just the immediate game of conversions, although we're seeing some hilarious stuff, man. Like right. I'm getting four cent Clint's and nine cent, nine cent, nine dollar leads for a fucking $50,000 LTV over here, which is pretty funny. But and, and I, I think that kind of goes back to when you think about Google and Facebook, they're running off this data. So when you upload it, what's the likelihood that you're going to upload a file of, let's say, 2,000 people and 400 of them are going to click? Think about your Google and Facebook. They're like, oh, my God, these guys have some incredible targeting. Oh, Look yeah. at the 400 and let's model these 400 because right. we're about to give these guys a CPC that's going to allow them to spend every penny they have. 100%. Yeah. Facebook and is, is letting us – they're just opening the doors because we provided – data that allows their algorithm to actually perform, which gives them, they, they just bank that too. They bake in the cost of the targeting anyway, but if you think about it, everybody uses Facebook is asking them for the targeting. I'm not saying yeah. don't be, look, I'm, I'm not anti Google or Facebook. I'm platform yeah. agnostic. Yeah. I want you to leverage, I want you to optimize. And I, this is my new phrase. You can't truly optimize growth unless all of the options that are available to you. So if you're not using third-party data, that's one option you're not availing yourself. So how do you know that you're optimizing a campaign? And it's like I said, just now add in the lifetime client value portion. Yeah. Right? How many people are going to get off this call and go, wait a second. So I can monetize that relationship for life. Yes. Correct. Because yeah. we're using identity resolution. It's our customer. We can communicate with them forever. Mm -hmm. Now, what should we say to them? No problem. We're going to tell you what they're in market for next. Yeah. We're going to tell you what that relationship, where it should go, how you yeah. can. Yeah. And I think it's important to touch on like how we do that, because it's once you resolve somebody's identity and we have them, but then the behavior tracking doesn't stop. So we're then tracking people's behavior, both like on your site and within your ecosystem. And this is where the attribution window and the, and the tracking from Facebook falls down because like quite a bit, it's not their fault. It's just not built for it. That is not the purpose of Facebook's pixel clearly. So being able to not just, okay, convert somebody to me, that's, that's like step numero uno in the actual growth process. Step two is understanding okay, who that person is and making sure that number one, they actually stick. So retention, focusing on retention is a fool's errand in most cases, because the more you focus on like reducing churn, 
like the less you're focusing on actual initiatives. But if you are actually just understanding the behavior of your customers and you nail that onboarding experience, et cetera, then your churn is going to be pretty damn good. But then letting behavior and somebody's activity and their experience with your brand and also just their experience online, being able to track whether somebody is researching a competitor and they're your client and being able to signal, oh, they might actually be churning very soon, right? Like that's huge insight. But essentially, like the way that I look at and what we're doing with even Intent and a couple of the other brands now is trying to uh, build a model of figuring out who this person is and what are the commonalities within the behaviors and how can we enrich and elevate their experience with the brand in such a way where them sticking with it and progressing through the you know ladder, the value ladder, increasing their LTV is a personal imperative. They're excited to do so because there's, there's no barriers to entry. Honestly, most often what I see is people churn or brands fuck up or people just stay stagnant the entire way through because it's difficult for them to progress with the brand. Brands make it very difficult. They rely on these you know, automated 60-day like, automation sequences and stuff like that. I think that's going out the window. What we're doing right now with intent, by the way, anybody who gets my emails, it's because you did something. <laughs> if you did something, you get an email because it's all behaviorally driven interactions. Because you know, humans will tell you when they need something and they're going to tell you when they're about to fuck off too. And I think you've been doing that as well with consulting with some of these larger companies, right? Or trying to convince yeah, them. Yeah, no, one of the thoughts is exactly what you said. How do you bridge that relationship and to stick with the brand? Mm -hmm. And obviously you got to make the experience worthwhile. And it's not just monetarily, but Amazon has conditioned the world. Think about some of the really most successful, like Google's a verb. People get conditioned <laughs> where they're comfortable. And I'm just saying, Amazon's conditioned everybody to buy, who would have ever thought in the beginning of Amazon, you're going to buy socks and candles from these guys, right? Yeah. You like, seen the old picture of Jeff Bezos? Yeah. He just bought, what, like a 200-foot yacht? He's bought some ridiculous yacht. Right. He, they, they are as successful a company utilizing this technology as you'll ever find right now in the world. Even Google, in my opinion, does not yeah. compare to how Amazon uses this technology. Right. Third party yeah. data, identity resolution, structuring a relationship that's for life, cradle to grave, and everything in between. And their goal is all the way to the end. And so they're dreaming up ways. When you think of Prime, it's a perfect example. It's a subscription. It, do you really think you're getting your money's worth? Hell yeah. They make oh, you yeah. so lopsided good that you're getting so more than, what do you pay, $77, 75 or something like that? It's under 100 bucks, isn't it? Oh, no, people are hysterical and super upset if there's not Prime available. <laughs> it's like, what do you mean there's no Prime? What is this? I've, seen, I've witnessed, even my, my girlfriend. I'm like, babe, we live in Mexico, first of all. I'm like, it's okay if there's Prime. Because <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. And, and it's such a great relationship. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like we're talking about all this technology, I just want to keep bringing it home to this yeah. concept of it's tied to time-tested marketing, business growth fundamentals. If you're building a relationship, whether it's a prospect, whether it's a client, it's lead nurture before the sale, it's conversion nurture post-sale, right? Yeah. We, you have to nurture a relationship. It's that simple. And yeah. what the technology allows you to do is to understand at a level that instead of sending everybody the same offer, you yeah. know, or maybe breaking a 
10,000 people into five different segments. Be able to know who, what offer at the right time. Right. Based That's off what of, the identity resolution in the end market does. Yeah. It's based <laughs> off of behavior, not yeah. just intent data. And this is, I want to touch on this really quickly as well. Because our name, by the way, to those who care, the three I's, which seems a little bit obnoxious, but it stands for invent, innovate, improve. If we're not doing one of those with what we're doing, then what are we actually doing? That's our, our whole mantra, especially on the growth side. But intent data in and of itself, and for those who knows, you know, what that is, there's search intent, there's different ways in which I've seen like a lot of people define it. A singular piece of intent. So somebody's searching for something like you said, say somebody is researching an Audi Q7 on Google, right? So certain companies will tell you that this person is in market because they just searched for that car. That's a singular attribute or, or event that occurred. On, honestly, to me, like that's just, that's like only barely even directional, right? Like I don't actually care about, like that will make me listen a little bit. <laughs> what matters in the difference between this is, is it's a culmination of a few different things. It's not just singular intent. It's like we process 5 million behaviors per second, right? Across 5 billion URLs, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, and, and you don't know, you're making a very good point. So think of it like momentum, yeah. right? One piece of behavior is I'm leaning, mm. right? 20 is I took two, three steps. Yeah. 200, I'm in a full sprint. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah. for me, what we're really trying to dial in is the balance between early. Yeah. So you can know when they're just what I call entering the market. Uh -huh. Because if you really start to look at data, and I, I want to get us to this point where we can visualize this. Yeah. I think there's a point in the buyer's journey where they're actually outside looking in, yeah, like a face against point. the window. I really believe that. And yeah. the more and more we're collecting, it's just, we're so scratching the surface, it's scary. Yeah. Like the stuff, and I just said this tonight on a call with somebody. I said, it's like, where do you think this can go? And I go, if I showed you how predictable we can make this with so little data, it's sky's the limit, because this is, we're just getting started. Yeah. You know, not just us, but the industry in general. And all the crisis, all the crap that's going on, whether it's COVID, whether it's Google changes, iOS, all of this stress, if you will, there's always an opportunity at the same time. And that's oh, yeah. where we're capitalizing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think but from that perspective, that's why the group dynamic to me, I want to encourage people like turn into the iOS thing. Don't yeah. run from it. Turn into it. Because there is a solution. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, even if you didn't say, say if you don't do intent and you're not using third party data and stuff like that, those who are in the game, there's always a path forward. Like business life in and of itself is it's about the pivot, right? If you understand the fundamental principles behind building anything, whether it's a relationship or a business or targeting or what have you, nobody really who, who is conscious or has put a lot of time into what they're doing is saying like my life is over now that ios did this thing it's highly <laughs> inconvenient and it's going to cost a lot of people in every single business that uses facebook a shit ton of money but there's two pathways number one like we have a legitimate solution that makes it null and void and actually to be honest there's a better way to do it in the first place rather than relying on facebook's data but then the secondary path is you innovate because there's so many other pathways and if you have a quality either product or service so if you're actually selling you know, a, a software or a physical product or what have you. That means that there are human beings in the world who are either in need or in want of that. 
there's a multitude of ways to put yourself in front of those people, right? Now, in my mind, it literally just comes down to a question of what is the level to which, right, you are trying to grow this company, right? So if you are just in the game to make a few hundred grand and this and that and just have a business or a job, whatever you want to call it, you don't really need to be all that concerned. It's going to be highly inconvenient. But those of us who are actually trying to disrupt spaces, build million dollar, multi-million dollar, billion dollar brands, et cetera, you have to pay attention. Like it's just, you either do, you don't, and you're going to be left behind. It's super simple because like I said at the beginning, I think, <laughs> and this actually comes from some private conversations and stuff like that, is this is only going to happen more frequently and faster. And for those who think about it as the most valuable opportunity that has happened in the last 10 years, the way that I do and that you do, things are going to be very interesting, even across the course of 2021. For those who think the opposite, this is going to be very stressful. Josh, there, there was a story. I remember this guy told this when, when I first started doing online, it was SEO. And he told the story about the two hikers and they, they're walking in the forest and they come across a bear yeah. and they take off running. Right. And they get to a safe distance and the one guy drops to the ground and he's switching out his boots to his sneakers. And the other hiker goes, what are you doing? He goes, I don't have to outrun the bear. I only have to outrun you. <laughs> and I'm telling everybody that, that story because what you're not realizing is you don't have to beat iOS. Mm. Ask yourself how many campaigns are getting crushed right yep. now on Facebook. Mm -hmm. The opportunity. Happening. And so they're going to sit there and try and make Facebook work until they can't get it and they will get it. They will get some facsimile of what they had. Most people who built a decent campaign can build back, but they ain't gonna have exact. The short term, all those people that they're not able to get at Facebook anymore are still gonna buy. Yep. But you're not gonna be able to get them at Facebook. Yeah. So your question is, is do I sit there and, and you know wait for the tow truck to come get me at Facebook and it ain't coming? No, no. Or do no. I go over to XYZ? There's a million options. Because again, I already know who's in market for this product. I really just want the person. Yeah. Does it matter it's a Reddit ad? Does it matter if it's a, not everything lends itself to Reddit or TikTok, or, but there's so much inventory out there yeah. and you can utilize third-party targeting with all of them. The market dictates the, the targeting and the media. Like for me, when I'm engineering just growth campaigns and initiatives and stuff like that, I, I don't even look at the product first. I look at the actual end user and the buyer. And it's actually fun now because there's so many platforms that have so much opportunity and all the different subsectors and the communities and stuff like that. Reddit ads has a decent ad engine now too, by the way. Like we're using it, if you didn't know that. <laughs> and it's funny that you're saying that because I had this conversation with somebody and he asked me about it and I said, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, but let me find out. They're doubling and down on it. And like, we skip over so much stuff, but I just wonder if we could double back on the question of the, the, the point Yeah, please, go ahead, man. There's no rules here. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I, just, I just think where we are in the marketplace, where we are May 11th, what's going on in our world. If you think about growth from the perspective of like it's a land race, it's an yeah. opportunity, it's all that crisis. There's somebody who's giving up major market share. Mm -hmm. It's there for the take. So you got to ask yourself, strategy is, is a series of questions. Right? What's your aspiration is the first question. Yeah. And see, like you said, if you want to make a couple hundred thousand, well, there's plenty of ways you can make a couple hundred thousand with your eyes closed. Yep. But if you're looking to really make a dent, and really make a dent, 
and grow something special, yeah. right? You have a high aspiration. The second question in strategy is, what playing field do I have to play on? So you got to ask yourself, can I go back to Google or Facebook, excuse me, Facebook, can I win with that level of aspiration? And the question is, maybe. But yeah. I believe that's delusional, me personally. I, it's like yeah. you said, it's not going back to the way it was. Yeah. It's only going to progressively get worse, progressively yeah. get harder. And we're going to give you the ability to go back into Facebook now. Think about it. Everybody's struggling at Facebook. I ask them, do you use any third-party data? Do you upload, do anything? No. Right. So you have no idea that you can, they know you can do it, but it's okay. So show me the playbook on that. We show them and it's like, why does that work? We right. walk them through the mechanics of why, because yeah. that's where the real wisdom is. So I could show yeah. you how to do it, but why it works. And again, if somebody's already looking for what you sell, do you really need Facebook to sell that? If you took Facebook from me completely, just yep. don't take my target. Because there's enough options out there for me to be able to have as many conversations as I want. And if, if I know where they are in that buyer journey process, I'm going to be able to match the message to that. Right. I'm smart enough to how to get somebody to the finish line. Yeah, context. So the question becomes, which I think the point that we've been talking about was the beginning of what we started was, what is your aspiration for your company? Yeah. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound, I, I don't care because it's in posterity we're going to record it. Yeah. I think you're completely out of your fucking mind if you don't take advantage of these changes. This is an inflection point. You have to think about it. Everybody's going to sit there and figure out, do I go left, do I go right, or do I stay straight? Yep. And I'm telling you, when I was in Austin, I had the opportunity to hear a guy, and I won't get into the specifics because it was private, but yep. this guy built a company that is in the Fortune 500 right now. Yeah. Okay? He's in the Fortune 500. He built a company from the ground up. And you know what his talk was about? Pivoting. Iteration. Yeah. Speed. And it was like music to my ears because that's the challenge. And so why do I think intent has another value to everybody on this call? Is that we're going to help you with that speed. We're going to help you with those changes. Yeah. We're going to help you manage that. I want to show people exactly how. I think the next episode that we do, I'm going to break down. I'm going to give some insight into how we're, because by the way, for anybody who's curious, you can go to intent.io and, uh, and there's a bunch of free trainings. There's hours and hours of video behind what intent is, how this technology works. If you want some basic, some the base knowledge of it. But what I'm going to be doing here too, I'll shoot some solo ones about us together is just show you exactly how we're currently taking not just our brands and the brands that we run, but other companies who are in the situation that you're actually in right now and exactly how, not just why, why is the most important aspect, I think, because understanding the mechanisms behind how things work, it's imperative for you to actually have success in anything. But just walking through the steps is like, look, this is what we're doing. This is why it's working. And this is how pretty much anybody who has any semblance of grit can actually execute on it. Because in the grand scheme of things, like what we've done is we've made the most complex things very simple for, for people to deploy. What's going on under the hood ain't simple. It's not simple, but how so it's have, now operational. Right. We have made it doable. Yeah. Yeah. Under the hood is not simple, but we would not be very good at what we did, uh, what we do if it wasn't actually simple to implement now on the front end for everybody. You know what the funny thing is? Like if, if you were to take any campaign, right? And if, if the basic fundamentals are the sale starts online in the form of research. Yeah. Okay. 
and that person has multiple devices and that person's on multiple channels. If you're running on a single channel, and by the way, talking about corporate America, I cannot tell you how many companies are not on more than two channels. I cannot tell you how many are on just one. It's scary. Yeah. yeah. Uh, bad stuff. And B2B was blow my, by the way, anybody listen to this, running ads in B2B isn't being done. Yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like they're not running any inbound. Like I would say one out of 20, one out of 30. And I'm talking, we interviewed thousands of companies in our discovery was one of our questions. Mm-hmm. And it just blew me away. And we just kept adding questions like why and like getting into the detail of it. Yeah. And it's just, they, they've had this mechanism that work going to events, for example, they're, they're using like 1960 ideas. Yeah. I tell them, I'm like, but if I got into this and I really wanted to destroy, like I can reverse it. <laughs> it was like torpedo this whole, there's so much money in B2B. Yeah. I, I, by the way, B2B e-com is bigger dollar wise than B2C e-com. I didn't know that. Somebody set me straight on that. I was, that blew me away. But again, there's so much stuff out there in terms of how I would market this, uh, services that we can offer. There's so many opportunities. Yeah. And these companies are absolutely desperate for the help. They're desperate. They're not. And I'm talking big companies. And you know this because Josh and I work on the campaigns together. Like <laughs> they're willing and able to throw so much money at success. You would yeah. think that they would have this, that they would hire the right person. and They'd be able to. And it's. Unless you're really seriously involved in the way we are on yeah. all out, because there's a we have a large team, like we're covering a lot of ground with a few amount of, and not every company can do that, but these bigger ones, I'm surprised that they haven't thrown more money at it. And yeah. I think they just they have a winner, they don't have a lot of competition for it, and it's working. So they're going to stick with that. Like they're literally waiting for events to come back, shit like that, I mean, or they're using one or two channels. If, but if you look at the econ, like the, the unit economics of it, though, like it, it's working. That's a very subjective term because they're not growing. And if you're not growing, what are you doing? Probably dying. You lose. Yeah, right. you lose them. Number one, I think, honestly, I think it's a function of just corporate structure being so ingrained that it's so difficult to have initiatives, you know, passed down and initiated and all this stuff. A lot of people <laughs> want to hold on to stuff. Right. But then the other lens of it is... They haven't had to because they make so much money. It's like when you make so much money, you don't really have to care about it. But now it's getting to the point where even these companies who have more money than Zeus now understand that they actually have to start caring. But that's where we come in. But more than that, the everyday agency, the e-com store owner like you who owns a product, who owns a business, coaches, consultants, what have you, the exact same level and magnitude of opportunity exists for you right now, except it's a larger opportunity because you don't have all the friction, the ingrained beliefs, the you know bureaucracy and all this stuff. <laughs> it's as simple as actually becoming aware of what's available now. You, you do not know what you don't know. And if you it, honestly, without the requisite knowledge of what's possible, right? How could you expect to actually progress? Like it would be unreasonable for anybody to actually expect that they will succeed, right? Above and beyond the competitors right now, unreasonable if they are, if they do not have the knowledge of what's actually possible, right? So if you know that all these people over here know something and it's working for them, I'm not sure what that is, but you know what? I think I'm, I'm good enough regardless. I'm, I'm going to beat all of them, right? Legacy. It's absolutely unreasonable. Right. So now on the flip side, and my, my, my kind of whole, you know, magnum opus in life is 
get so good at something and or put in enough reps and enough time into something where it becomes unreasonable for you to be bad, right? Like skill acquisition, progress, growth, or just success in anything, to me, it's literally just a function of probability. Every single day, all we're doing is we are inputting data points, right? So the progress, you're lazy, you're actually making yourself aware of and utilizing the weapons that are available to you, or you're not. Simple regression analysis. Failure is a zero, success is a one, and you're constantly between <laughs> Think about the campaigns that we're going to do and anybody who's listening to this when you come in you'll see some of the case studies on some of the stuff that we're personally doing yeah the most competitive marketplace in the world yeah. the most expensive data and we're going to absolutely annihilate right. all of their benchmarks simply because so I, I, a quick i'll just in a financial conversation i have with a company in the mortgage space and the guy was like their edwards guy was like and I don't understand. And I said, let me ask you a question. What's your favorite keyword? What's the single best keyword? And he told me, I go, okay, name one person that's searching for it right now. Because <laughs> I can tell you some names. I can't tell you everybody, but I can tell you some names. Yeah. I said, if you can't see how that gives me a competitive advantage. Yeah. Simple as that. I'm laughing because it's something that I can use the word weaponize. Yeah. Having that insight without having the weapon to be able to load the bullet, that insight is like a bullet in my mind. Yeah. Intent is we're going to show you how to use any gun to be a marks a marksman. You don't have to be sexist, but at the end of the day, to me, what we're going to do in growth, and that's why I want everybody to come in and think of it like a playground and come in and test and utilize. And if we need feedback, what can we improve? It, again, we don't know what we don't know, and we're obviously doing well with what we have, but this is going to only get better. Not just because we're going to dream up. The marketplace is pushing things in our direction every single minute of every day. I probably do six calls a day with data companies that I couldn't even think about having a conversation with. Who are now like, okay, all those terms and conditions of how we were doing things before, they've been the water. Right. You know what I mean? The yeah. world's changing for them. Yeah. they got to figure out how to survive with third party going away, with iOS taken away, with Facebook, think about Facebook's cookie going to seven days. How many campaigns is that going to annihilate? So, That's Sam and I had about an hour conversation about this. Sam is he's our, our head of performance on Facebook and Instagram. And so attribution going from you know, 90 to 120 days down to seven days. And Sam's Australian, for those who are listening. The amount of expletives that came out of his mouth and everything like that was, was just, it was profound. But because he's on our team and he understands what we're doing with the data, the expletives are actually positive. Right. <laughs> and so that prompted me to actually write an ad, which we then launched that same day saying, iOS 14 is the best thing that ever happened to our members because it's true. And the other thing with Tommy, and I'll touch on this too, and I'll, I'll let you go too, because there's actually, I took some notes. There's a lot I want to dive into with you, but, and uh, I know that we were all over the place here uh, today, guys, but like the ultimate expression of it, think what we're doing with the community aspect is we're building a lab, right? So both physically here in, you know, Tulum, Mexico, like I'm literally building a compound for members come down, like it'd be an incubation chamber for growth and not just in the business sense too. Like it's a unity of, we're going to find some cool names for this, Tommy. Leave it to me. I'm the branding guy. But we're sourcing our team, our performance team, from our member, like, like Jeremy, Sam, 
all they got. Like they, they're users of the actual interface and the product and now they're on the team because they're the best in the world at what they do. They understand what's happening with the tech and with the data and we brought them on the inside. <coughs> that's, you know, that, those, there's levels to this stuff and that's what I'm most excited about as well. So if I've got so many hours invested in this, yeah. it's embarrassing, right? So millions of dollars, labor of love, ups and downs, like really, I, I want people to experience this. I, I didn't build this to, to monetize the sale. I, yeah. I want people to use it. I want people to grow campaigns. I want people to build companies. I, I, my commitment to this, once we started having this conversation, we talked yeah. about opening a place in Mexico and building out what we're doing. I, my commitment to people is this. If you think about it from my own perspective, how can I grow my company? How can I grow my company? If I can put my resources where I can get return without even putting in a resource, like having, having a, a tribe, having a group of committed people who are obsessed like we are. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm not afraid to say it. Like, I work like 16 hour days. I love what I, I do though. Yeah. You know too. what I mean? Like, I look at the mess behind me. Like, I'm printing stuff out. I'm constantly reading. I'm always talking to people. Yeah. I'm so into what I'm doing because I feel like we're making so much progress. Whereas before I was working on this for a long time and it was like right. so hit and miss and intermittent. It was like, drove me nuts. We get a little progress and we get set back again. It's we're on this steady climb and the more people we can involve in this, the more we can share it. Yeah. The collective is only going to make the underlying technology and the data and the playbooks and what's possible. I pulled down, I pulled down two separate AI companies to come into intent simply because I told them the data that we played with and the campaigns we were running it on and that I can take their ideas and put them on world-class campaigns and prove it out and validate it for them. Yep. And in return, I basically own these two companies, yep. right? Because they want what we have. They want the camaraderie of the community they want people to utilize what, the, what their obsession was. Yeah. They didn't build it so it could just sit there and look good and sound great and have, and it's not like these guys aren't making money. They might have 20, 30 clients when they should have two, 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the problem is just like you, when we talk about what we do, you have to teach it. It, it takes a little time to understand it and, and for them the same thing. So you, I guess my prediction is you watch what's going to happen in the next six months how many companies are going to come into our platform simply because of the way we're growing the environment yeah because it's conducive for growth it's built for growth it's a platform of internal growth and our success is not predicated upon monetizing our members as much as possible it's actually tom if you guys are on the inside of our our boardroom calls tommy's like how can we charge people less every single day and i like, yell margins please <laughs> i just like having everyone use the data but Josh, I, I'm going to say this. I, I've, I've spent a ton of money learning, mentors, Likewise. and we're at a we're at a point in the world where this inflection point is really about speed, right? Speed. So you can only do so many things in a day. You can only brush up on so many topics. You can only ask your staff to study so much. At some point in time, you need to open up the brain power mm. so that you can learn at a faster rate. And how you do it is. Josh will read a book and tell me all about it. I don't have to read the whole book if he can give me the seven points that I can apply tomorrow yeah. or the one point I can apply tomorrow. 
Okay. And so what we're committed to doing is taking our ideas and running them on our own campaigns, massive enterprise level, big deal campaigns. So you can see scale at a level that maybe you haven't yet experienced. Yeah. We want to be able to show you not just success, but scaled success. Yeah. And so the best way to do that is to be as transparent as possible. Exactly. Open door policy. And teach Honest. from that standpoint. I, I come from the space of internet market. Well, I don't come from that space, but there's the circles, internet marketers and the people who sell courses and this and that and what have you. And I've become notorious as being the dude in the group who's always behind the scenes and behind the curtains because it pisses me off sometimes how there, there's always like this secret that's hidden or something as if it's like the holy grail or, or, or what yeah. have you. You're not that special. Like how you do things is not that special. It's, and I said this from day one when Tommy and I, when we got together, is absolute open door, full transparency, like the most granular. If you're missing a piece of information, ask for it, right? Oh yeah, here's what we did there. We're, we're not selling you on a course on how to like launch a campaign X, Y, and Z. That's just par for the course because we're all in this game together and and I actually want to encourage our members and this is already happening by the way on the inside some of our members and some of our members are our you know, platinum partners at Facebook and stuff like that they're spending 10 20 30 million dollars per year on our performance ads they're just laying out so like yeah okay we did this with the data we did that this is the increase that we saw this is what we think we could have done differently it's just it's already beautiful and I'll say this too less from you know a, a business strategy standpoint and more from just a collective we're all in this together standpoint i'm liking how growth is fun again like building this business i'm having an absolute blast <laughs> well <Tell me. laughs> i apologize so. for all the coffee but I, I you know josh the one thing that the one thing that excites me personally is i've always built technology because i didn't like what was being built outside so i wanted to maybe have a hand in my own fate yeah the one thing that I look forward to, this testing at a level that I personally, like you and I could be phenomenal testers, multiply that by thousands of people, yep. that the learnings that are gonna come from this and we're all gonna benefit from, I like, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'll, I'll end on this note. Is it, well, there's just more things I can test, more ideas we can put to the, to the test. I'll end on this now because I, I do have to go. I'm sure you have to go too. Your wife probably hates me, all that stuff. But th this is also the reason I'm why. I'm working nonstop. She hates me more than she hates anyone else. <laughs> I, I, I can't stop. <laughs> if you think about yeah, it, though, sorry, Tommy, you. this is important for everybody to know too. Like, intent isn't just, it's not just like a, a data aggregator and a hub. Like, we're building an ESP, a, an ads deployment platform, a creative multivariate testing platform. This has to, if we want to be able to get the insights, right? From everybody utilizing the product. Well, intent very quickly, and this is why we're acquiring devs and all that stuff. If you're a solid dev, by the way, call me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> developing a single source of truth for companies, startups, agencies, etc., to run, test, and validate their growth ops. Because right now, I don't know about you guys, I've tested probably over a thousand tools, more than that, easily. And one of the biggest pain points that we have is the stacks <laughs> in this tool over here, this tool over here, this tool over here, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. But in the spaces between the lines where there is room to drastically improve on the way that things are already done, that's the essence of what intent is. So we're not just about the data. We're about actually acquiring vehicles that the softwares that might almost have it, taking them over and then iterating and building upon it to actually have the legitimate playground, right? Take the data, 
input it into your creative system, model your audience, deploy it immediately into an ad audience, right? Deploy cold email campaigns, et cetera, et cetera. We're already doing that. So that's what I'm excited about. And thanks for your time, Tommy. Oh, no, no problem, man. I, let's do this again. I apologize for rambling. This is the ramble I'll show, leave, my friend. I'll, I'll leave you with this thought. When I first started building out the DSP, <coughs> I was working with a consultant, and he told me two things. He goes, don't fall in love with your technology. He goes, the fact that you can do it is proof that it can be done. Right. Count on every morning when you wake up that somebody is out there doing something like you're doing or even better. Right. So you're all now hearing Josh and I talk about what we're doing. So you know this stuff exists. And if you think we're the only guys that have this technology, you're out of your mind. Because it's nothing proprietary. We're just fast. Yeah. Like we're just out in front. Mm -hmm. And the second thing he said is that when you really try to think about what's possible, he said, he goes, I want you to think big and then realize you didn't think big enough. Because take the concept of lifetime client value. When I say that to people, it's they got to go for a walk. It's a completely different business model. Your product that you sell, your service that you offer is really just how you start the relationship. It's the, the money's going to be in the relationship. Yeah. And so it changes your whole business model. Yeah. So if you're not utilizing things like we're talking about, you're going to be at a disadvantage from companies that are. And quite frankly, you're not even going to be able to keep up. And so from that perspective, I'm going to leave everybody with this thought. I want you to think big and realize you didn't think big enough. The opportunity is there and we're going to prove it inside intent every day with our case studies. And when you see the companies and the industries that we're in health insurance, we're not working with agencies. We're working with the actual insurance companies, publicly traded behemoths, and we're taking on proven benchmarks like they threw hundreds of millions of dollars to get these benchmarks yeah. and we're taking them down in no time. So, Which is my favorite. You know, one, is it just one thing? It's a combination of everything that we do in intent. And yeah. again, it's not just the data. It's not just this. It's a combination of everything. No. Yeah. It's, it's an all-encompassing platform. That's what I love about it. I love the playground mentality because you got the email. You got the B2B outreach for the LinkedIn. You got yeah. so many things we didn't even touch on. Yeah, we got time. We're going to do this daily. So <laughs> I'll map it up.